So anyway, we're going to um, go to a time of our, our message. And so um, on, we've been going through a series called James, the book of James. And it's chapter by chapter by chapter. And um, today's the last of James, of our series called James, James chapter 5. And it's, it's really, really interesting. And someone, someone put out, out there, they said that it's about patience. They said it's about patience and about uh, for marriages. But what's really interesting about James chapter 5, James chapter 5 is all about patience. And um, I, remember, I remember when I was told that my mom was pregnant. I was three years old. Okay, I was three years old. I remember uh, being told that. And um, as a three-year-old kid, I didn't understand what that meant. What does it mean that my mom's pregnant? What does that even, what, what's even that word? What does it even mean? I had no idea what it means until one morning I wake up and my mom who had been sleeping next to me, she was gone, right? She's gone. I'm wondering, where's my mom gone? And then I get told that she went to the hospital to have baby. I still had no idea what that meant. I had to be patient. I had to wait to see until it became clear what it was, until I went to the hospital and I was introduced to my baby brother. My my baby brother out there watching, David, have, have, it's not your birthday, but uh, I remember the day that you were born. And um, and I remember, who's this? You know, It's a baby. It's your baby brother. But I asked for a puppy. But anyway, <laughs> and I had no idea what it meant. And But until, I had to be patient. I had to wait. I had to wait until it became clear. And sometimes when we are going through trials, when we're going through hard times, we have to be patient. Patience is not a, it's not a word that we're, we're good at, right? We want everything now. We want everything now. We want, we want instantly. Uh, we want our popcorn now. We want our food now. We just chuck it in the microwave. We want everything now. Patience is, is something we're not good at. And when we're going through hard times, when we're struggling, we want it to be over, right? We all want it to be over. We want lockdown to be over over but we have to be patient we have to we have to uh we have to wait until it's clear why am i going through this what's going on in my life right now and there's this this is old proverb that that always reminds me to be grateful and this proverb goes something like this i used to complain that i had no shoes until i met a man who had no feet it's, it's a very interesting proverb, and it's one that reminds us to be grateful for what we have. I used to, be, I used to complain that I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. And the whole proverb is to be grateful for whatever we have and to be patient and to wait. James chapter 5 opens with probably the strongest warning in the book. And it opens up with verse 5, chapter 5, verse 1, like this. It says this, Now listen, you rich People, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moth have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Now when James says the last days, he um, he's talking about Jesus who had launched God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven through his death, resurrection, and his ascension. That God's new world had begun. And this is what he means by these last days. That God's, God's new world has begun. We're, that we're living in God's, in God's new world. And it's, become, it's begun. And so James is saying, that, therefore, if we're, living, if we're living in these last days, if we're living in, in, in God's kingdom here on earth, 
And if we as his followers are meant to bring heaven to earth, then how are we as his followers, why are we hoarding up wealth here on earth? It just doesn't make sense. And, and if God has blessed you, two things should happen. Right? Number one, you need to be thankful. And the second thing that it should make you do, it should make you help those who are in need. And when we remember last week, we looked at chapter four. And at the end of chapter four, James says this. James says, if you know what you should do and you don't, that's sin. So, it's, so sin isn't just doing something wrong. It's, it's when we know there's something that I can do to help someone and I don't. Well, James says that's sin. And it goes on to verse four. It says this, look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Now he confronts those who are being dishonest. A huge warning to us. If you've done anything illegal or deceptive to the detriment of, to the detriment of others, you're not going to get away with it. God sees it all. And he goes on to verse 5. He says, he says You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the days of slaughter. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Talking about the warning, he's pretty strong with these warnings. And he gives us a warning to, to those who have resources. Make sure you're not fattening yourselves up by consuming it all. And I, I know what you're thinking. Well, that doesn't apply to me. And because it doesn't apply, because the reason it doesn't apply to me is because I'm not rich. I don't have any money. So obviously this is not talking about me. Well, here's the thing. It's, you know, James isn't talking about what you have. He's talking about what you do with what you have, right? You don't need to have a lot of money to be greedy and stingy. In fact, at the same time, the most generous people that I know don't have much. And honestly, they give so much. They'll give the shirt off their own back. It's about a mindset of generosity. This is what James is talking about. Greed means it's all for me. Right? That's what greed means. It's all for me. And he goes on into verse 6. He says, You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was, who was not opposing you. Now, James also has in mind a, a particular group. And the particular group that he had in mind was these Jewish leaders who had crucified Jesus. And they seemed to be holy, but they're only doing what was needed so they could to, uh, to protect what was theirs, right? At the expense of everyone else. And then he goes on to verse 7. He says, be patient. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. See, after, after James warns those who have abused their resources, he switches his focus to the key for Getting through hard times. And it's these two words that we find very difficult. You know, you know what those two words are. Be patient, right? He opens up the verse, be patient. He says, be like the farmer who's waiting. It's going to happen. There's an expectation. Jesus is going to return. Come on, he is going to return. It's not some word that we just throw around, but Jesus is going to return. We need to wait with an expectancy that he is going to return. We've got to wait. And, you know, I don't know what struggles you're going through right now, but James says this. He says, be patient. Hold on. And just like the farmers, they're expecting, they're expecting it to, that Jesus is coming soon. So James says, hold on. No matter what you're going through, be patient. 
hold on. It goes on in verse 9. He says, don't grumble, don't grumble against one another. Right? Don't grumble against one. Anybody grumbling? You ever grumble against someone? Well, James says, don't grumble, grumble against one another. Brothers and sisters, you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. He's saying, watch what you say that comes out of your mouth. Whatever word that comes out of your mouth during these hard times. See, when you are low, it's easy for us to take it out on those who are around us, right? Think about it. If you've ever been in an argument with someone, or maybe if you're married, if you've been in an argument with your wife or your husband, and all of a sudden your kids come in, and all of a sudden, what do you do? You take it on your kids, right? We take it on, and we've got to be, and that's what James says, be careful, don't grumble with one another. When you're going through trials, don't take it on the first person. And why do we do that? It's because we're responding to whatever the pressure is. So James says, don't grumble. Watch what you say, what comes out of your mouth. And then he goes on in verse 10. He says, brothers and sisters, as an, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought, what the fi- Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. James says, consider the lives of the prophets who preached the word of God. You know, during these prophets who preached the word of God, most of them were martyred. And the reason why they were martyred is because they're, 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 they were preaching what the word said and said, look, stand firm. Don't go against the word of God. And, and the people who heard it didn't like it. So most of the prophets were martyred. And they were, they were, they were harassed. They, they went through trials because no, people didn't like those words, what they said, standing up for the truth. And, and James says, be, we need to be like these prophets because we need to consider the example. Because think about it. When we think about the prophets, we think that they're blessed. That we think they're blessed. Because when we think about it, we are the prophets now. For the last two to 3,000 years, these prophets have been enjoying the presence of the Lord. But for a short amount of their time here on earth, they suffered, and, but they were patient and they were waiting for the, the reward that they knew would come. And those should be our example for us today. Just like it was worth it to them, it should be worth it to us. And we should have patience, just like the prophets, that there's an expectancy, right? A reward is coming for those who love Christ Jesus. And then he goes on in verse 12. He says, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is simple, yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. And, and when James says, do not swear, he's not talking about profanity. He's saying, in fact, he's saying, it's saying when we make an oath. In fact, uh, you may have said these words or maybe you've heard someone say these words. Have you heard anyone say this? You know, God, God, if you do this for me, I will serve you all my life. Have you heard someone say that before? Maybe you've said it. Or maybe, God, if, 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 if you give me this loan or God, if, God, if, if, if I win lotto, I'll, 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 give, I'll start giving to church. Right? Or, or maybe if you do this for me, I'll, I'll, I'll be more generous. Or Lord, I'll start coming to church. You know, and, and James says, don't say those words, especially for, you know, when I've heard people say that you know, most times we don't do it. right? God, if you do this for me. And God does it, right? And then all of a sudden, you don't do that. You don't follow your words. And James says, don't do that. We can't leverage, we, we can't leverage God for what we want. We kind of treat God like he's some kind of genie in the bottle. We rub God the right way, then we can get what we want. And James says, we can't say statements like, I swear to God, or honest to God. I remember in school, we used to say these words, honest to God. 
right? And, and when we say these, these words, it's this idea that if I'm lying right now, then God, may you curse me. And, and, and we kind of see this. We see this in, 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 with Peter. Peter said to Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples just before he was crucified, he said, you know, you're going to leave me. You're all going to desert me. And what does Peter say? Peter says, Lord, I will never leave you. Right, And then what do we find in Matthew chapter 26, verse 74? We're not going to go there. I'm just going to read it to you. This is what it says. It said, Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. Then he says, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed, right? When he was denying who Jesus was. He, he, and he swore these words. He said, curse me if I'm lying. I do not know the man. James is saying, don't say things like that. Just talk. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Don't call down the curses of God. So this whole word of, of when we swear, it's in the sense, it's not on the sense of profanity. But just, just even when I, just on the topic of profanity, now that I've brought it up, uh, why do people use profanity? And the reason why people use profanity is to bring extra weight to their words. Now, here's the thing. If you are a person of integrity, you, don't, you do not need profanity to bring any weight to your words. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. So when you squeeze a lemon, guess what comes out of a lemon? Whatever is inside. So when you're squeezed, guess what comes out? Whatever is inside. So, so if God squeezes you, what comes out of you? Does praise come out of you? Does worship come out of you? Or does blinkity blank come out of you? You know? Let your yes be yes and your no be, be no. You do not you don't need any other words to bring strength to your words. Verse 19, it says, Anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. You know, every, every time that you're tempted to complain, let that be a cue for you to pray. Instead of complaining, like in verse 9, James talks about, he says, when you open up your mouth, open up, open up your mouth to pray. Prayer should be the priority. It should be the first thing that we do. What is prayer? Prayer is an intimate communication with God. See, many of us throw in the towel before we throw up our prayers. Because when we pray, we access grace. See, when we pray, pray, prayer doesn't take away our prob problems, right? Prayer doesn't take away our troubles. Well, what prayer does, it gives us the grace to get through our problems. And so James says our first priority should be to pray. Then he goes on to verse 14. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. You know what this what James doesn't say? He doesn't say don't go to the doctors, right? He doesn't say that at all. And um and many of us we, we add that in there. Oh, you know what? If you're sick you shouldn't go to the doctors. It's all about prayer. If you go to the doctors, you've got a, you're lacking faith. James doesn't say that. We can't make scripture say what it doesn't say. And I've heard a lot of Christians say that. And if you're saying that, don't say that because Scripture never says that. You cannot make Scripture say what it doesn't say. But what it does say, it does say, go to the elders. Go to, and it says, call the elders. 
And, and so what James is saying is that you need to take responsibility. Right? It's not that the elders must know. Or the, when it says elders, it's speaking about the spiritual leaders of the church. And so what James, what James is saying is like, it's not like, you know, sometimes you hear this, well, you know, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm not well. The pastor should know I'm not well. Why doesn't the pastor come to me? Well, James doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. He says, what does it say? He says, you've got to take responsibility. You've got to go to the spiritual leaders of your church. You take some responsibility. You have to take some step of faith. You go to them. He doesn't say go to some, go to the next um, healing meeting or don't go to the healing. It doesn't say go to the heal. Look for the healing evangelist. Look for the one who's gifted in these things. Why doesn't he say that? He doesn't say that because he says, because let me ask you this question. Who brings the healing? Right? What does he say? Who brings the healing? He says, the Lord will raise them up. It is God who heals, not man. Right? But what I love what he says next. It says, look, if you have sinned, I love this. If you have sinned, you will be forgiven. If you confess your sins to God, you will be forgiven. Because he, he says this. He says, he says that, he says, what does it say? He says, the Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. If you confess your sins to God, you will be forgiven. I love this. The Lord heals and the Lord forgives. Come on. No matter what you've done, God will forgive you. you know, will you come near to Him? If you come near to God, He'll come near to you and He will. He will forgive you. Then we go on to verse 16. And what does it say in verse 16? It says, Therefore, confess your sins. I love this. Confess your sins to each other. In this part, it doesn't say confess your sins to God. It says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? Why? And it goes on. And, and he tells us why. So that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I love what the Good News Translation says. The Good News Translation, good news translation says this. The prayer of a very good person. right? The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. See, we confess our sins to God to be forgiven. But we, for, we confess our sins to one another. God says this, confess your sins to one another. Why? To be healed. And, and the type of healing that James is talking about here is emotional healing. It, it's, it's when we're struggling. We're struggling. And, and that's why we keep going over the same stupid mistake over and over again. Right? It's because we only went to God. Right, we went to God. We told God about all these things, and that's who all we spoke to. Here's the thing: God already knows your stupid mistakes. He already knows these things. It's not as if God's surprised when when you tell God, "Oh my goodness, I had no idea." God already knows. But but God has designed us to love one another. God has designed us that when we come to one another, and when we confess our, our sins to one another, that we begin to find healing. Here's the thing: in in, in this 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 age of COVID. We all understand what it means to wear a mask, right? We wear a mask and when we're out shopping, we'll wear a mask so we don't spread the disease. But here's the thing. We all wear a mask. And see, I'm wearing a mask right now. It's a, it's a public mask. And, and the, this public mask is, 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 is what I want to show, show you about me, right? This is all that I'm showing you. But behind this mask are, all, are the things I don't want you to know. It's the things that I'm struggling with. And it's the things that I'm failing in. And 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 reason and it's really important that I keep this behind this mask. It's, it's to protect me. But here's the issue: the issue is, is, is if I'm the only one that knows what's going on going on behind the mask, that's the issue. And if I'm the only one that knows, then I'm gonna stay stuck. If I'm struggling with something and I'm the only one, I'm gonna be stuck in that issue. 
And so this is this is this is why we have connect groups, and this is why church is 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 is, is a community. We're not meant to do life alone. We're meant to do connect groups and journey with people. And when we journey with a small group of people, and when we learn to trust one another, guess what happens? We learn to take the mask off, and then we learn to share our struggles with one another. And when you learn to share share these struggles, guess what? We get free. We get unstuck. And we begin to find freedom. And, and, and this is what this verse means, is that when we confess our sins to one another, people that we trust, not to everyone, to people that we journey with, and this is why we have small groups, we have connect groups, where we can learn to trust one another. And guess what? You will f- be free. If you're struggling through with something right now, and you're the only one who knows, that's the issue. Find someone you trust, where you can learn to take the mask off, where you can begin to share your struggles, and then you'll begin to find freedom. Then goes on in verse 17. Elijah was a human being. Even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it will not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. You know, so often we, uh, we look at Bible characters, and, and we think that div- they're different to us. And we kind of put these Bible characters on a pedestal like, that it's unattainable that I, I, I that these guys in the Bible they're different to me. I can't do what they can do. But James says that they're no different to you. He says Elijah, Elijah has nothing on you. Do do you understand that that when you pray, that God hears your prayer just like He hears Elijah's prayer. Elijah has nothing on you. David in the Bible. This great this David, who the Bible says that, that he, was, he was a man after God's own heart. The, the Bible, James says that David has nothing on you. That Moses has nothing on you. That Moses who, who went to the mountaintop to be close to God, you can too. Do you, do you believe that about yourself? You know, it's really interesting. Sometimes people say that about me. It's like, well, you know... You're the pastor. You're a pastor. Obviously, you're close to God and you can do all these things. I can't do what you can do because I'm not a pastor. Look, I'm a person. I mean, what does that even mean that you're a pastor? I'm a person. You're a person. Right? There's, there's no difference. You can be close to God. Do you believe this about you? That God will hear your prayer. Then he goes on into verse 19. He says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring someone should bring that person back and remember this whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over multitudes of sins i love this there's two there's two elements here there's one thing you know um, if if someone who who is far away from god come on he says look come on you we can go to them and and we can bring them the truth and help them turn to god get close to god and the second thing is this, if there's a brother and sister who's struggling, we're to go to them, right? We've got to go to them in love and to, to, and to, and to bring them closer to God. And I love this because James ends, he ends his whole letter with, with, with so powerfully. And these last two verses are powerful. I don't know if you understand how powerful these verses are. It's, it's as if James is saying this, I want you to put all of my words into practice. It's not just about being a hearer of the word, but it's being doing a, a bit about being a doer. It's, it's about seeing the need around you and responding. It's about going to the brother or sister who is struggling, who are wandering away from truth. 
It's about going to them. It's not saying this. James is not saying this. It's not like picking up the phone, right? And saying, say, hey, girl, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you, did you hear what they're doing? Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm only telling you this so that we can pray, right? Listen, that's gossip, right? That's not what, it's not talking about like, get on the phone and start talking to everybody. Man, I heard about John. John's doing this. John's doing that. But, hey, you know, should we, let's pray for him, right? You know, that's gossip. We turn, we turn it into gossip. That's not, not what James is saying. This it's not, Don't go tell everyone and then we, we disguise it as prayer. Now, don't do that at all. He says, go to this person. You know, I, I remember when I was in primary school, um, a friend of mine was doing something wrong and I told on the teacher. I told, I told on my friend, I said to the teacher, so, so-and-so is doing this, right? And the teacher dealt with the issue. But you know what the teacher did next? The teacher scolded me. And I was confused. Why is the teacher scolding me? I'm not the one who did the issues. And you know, years, all my life, I always wonder. I think back to that time, I still, and, I, and I, still, I still do. And I think, why did the teacher scold me? And the teacher said that I was a telltale. I was thinking, why scold me for? Like, I, I, I told the truth. It wasn't until I was studying this verse for this message that, I, that penny dropped. I finally understood what it meant. And, and the reason why the teacher scolded me was because before I told on my friend, I could have helped fix the problem before, that, before there was a problem to tell, right? I could have been an answer. I could have been the solution to the problem. Here's the thing. Before you go around and telling everyone to disguise it as prayer, be the answer to the solution before there's a problem to tell. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. Love covers a multitude of sin. May we go to people because we love them. Or better yet, God loves them more. So what does the book of James mean to us? I mean, what does this all mean to us? James chapter 1 all the way to chapter 5. You know what it means? It means a call to, to action. It means a living faith. that We've got to have a living faith. It's more than just reading the words in the, in the Bible. But it's not just being a hearer of the word, but being a doer of the word. Whenever we see a need around us to respond, to love our neighbor as ourselves, it means to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind and strength. Maybe this, this message or the series is a springboard for you to, for it to be a natural response for you to want to know Him more. That, that, you, that you want God to be your first love in your life. I don't know what you're going through. But take the words of James and be patient and hold on. Because we know the hope that we have. which We should be able to endure it just as the prophets did. And that's what James is all about. To be people who actively loves God and loves people. To actively love God. Let our love be action. Let our love be people be action. Works and faith working together. People who actively love God 
and loves people. The book of James is about having this deep relationship with God. It's about knowing Him. That everything in my life revolves around Him. So when life gets difficult, that that's just the obvious choice that I will go to Him. So when I'm cheerful, that He's the first one that I'm going to sing praises to. You know, I, I remember... Um, it was the beginning of the year. I was walking to my car, just finished coming from the butcher. Right, and I bought some meat and, and I opened up my boot and I was going to the car. Then all of a sudden, I had this. I was this this. I was overwhelmed with joy. This joy came over me, and because at that moment I remembered, I remembered when we never had a car. I remembered when our car was repoed. You ever had a car repoed before? It's not you know you, you don't feel good. I remember when we struggled to get food on the table just to, just to feed our family. I remember those times. And here, all these years later, I, I'm, in, I'm going to my car that I own outright. And I've just bought meat. And, the only, and I remember the time when the only time we had steak was on Father's Day. Or the only time we had steak was on my birthday. And here we were. Here I was buying my steak. And, and I began to praise God. I began to praise him outside the butcher. Because we are called to be people who actively love God. Come on. Actively love God. And to love, and, and not only love God, but actively love people. That's what, so if you forget everything else I say, please, this is what you've got to remember. We have to be people who actively love God and loves people. To be people who actively love God and loves people. Come on, let us pray.